So great to see you. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here with us today. We are going to turn, if you would, with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. I know when Dee and I first got married, uh, we didn't have... We, we took our time, whatever time we had, and we, we prayed together and we studied the book of Daniel. We spent months and months studying the book of Daniel. It just has meant a lot to me, this book and Daniel's life. Personally, uh, his testimony is so wonderful. But I want you to read with me in Daniel uh, chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream, uh, one of two dreams that he's going to have. But this is the first one. And he ordered for all of the wise men and astrologers and magicians to be brought in before him to both tell him that, I want you to tell me the dream I dreamed last night because I forgot it. And it really bothered me and troubled me. And I want you to interpret it for me. And all the wise men and astrologers say, that's, that's impossible. Tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. You know, if you tell us the dream, maybe we can make something up that, that sounds good. They said, no, uh, you're, just, you're just stalling for time. And I'm going to have all you wise men and astrologers and magicians killed. Well, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were captives from uh, Israel and Judah. And they were part of this, in, in living in this kingdom. And they were part of the wise, of the king's court of wise men. And Daniel said, hold on, time out. They would have been killed as well. He says, why is the thing so hasty? Give, we'll make known the interpretation. And so he prays, and, and God gives him the interpretation, and he goes in and stands before the king. And, and let's read this in chapter 2, verse 31. We'll read through 35. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them in pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken to pieces together and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Verse 44. And in the days, this is interpretation towards the end of his interpretation. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to, to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. He's saying, Here, here's the deal. He tells him straight from God, what is happening and Daniel says don't think there's anything special about me that I'm interpreting this dream this is the God of heaven is made known to me because he wants to make it known to you king that the Lord rules amen the Lord rules this last kingdom is Christ's kingdom this one that smites the other kingdoms is Christ's kingdoms and his kingdom is going to stand forever and ever and ever in the in the dream that he saw Nebuchadnezzar saw this image of a, like a statue or this great uh, image of a, of a statue. And he saw this head of gold. 
and he saw the the uh, the chest and and so forth of silver, and then he saw the the midsection being of brass, and then he saw the legs, the lower part of the legs and the feet of clay and iron, and he said these are four kingdoms. The first one, the head of gold, that's you, Nebuchadnezzar, and your kingdom of Babylon, and God's given you this kingdom, and you're spread out over the earth, and 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 you have a dominion, and people are under under the shadow of your wings, and the animals are under the shadow of your wings. And you have this great kingdom. But after you, there's going to come another kingdom. That's the silver. That was the Medes and the Persians that would come when Darius the Mede would come in at night and take the kingdom, which we would read later in Daniel. And then would come the Greek Empire. That was the brass. And that would have been Alexander the Great and the Grecians. And then comes the Roman Empire with the the legs of iron and the the feet and toes of of part iron and part clay because it had some strength and it had some weaknesses and was divided. But we're here this morning to talk about that last kingdom. We're here this morning to talk about the kingdom that, that came and smashed the other ones and that was with uh, a kingdom that would reign forever and ever, an everlasting kingdom. You know, one of the great truths of the Bible, one of the great spiritual truths that there are is the reality of eternity. The fact that there is eternity, it's hard to conceive, it's hard to believe, but God has set eternity, he says, in the hearts of men. That's one translation of scriptures from Ecclesiastes 3.11, that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. God is forever. His reign is forever. His rule is forever. He is forever. And men have the choice and men have the privilege to know this God and live with him and walk with him forever and be with him forever and ever Dave, uh, the psalmist said, Moses wrote this psalm, but I'll just quote it from Psalm 1990. He says, the Lord, oh Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. He says, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, that's everlasting that way and everlasting that way, thou art God. He is eternal. That's that's." Uh, an amazing truth. It's almost too great a truth to grasp that heaven is forever and hell is forever and almighty God is forever. If you're a born again, if you're a saint of God, the communion with the Lord is forever and ever. If you're lost and you die lost in your sins, which you don't have to, but if you do die lost in your sins, that separation from God is forever and ever. This is a, a, an amazing truth to try to grasp but Almighty God, through his faith in his son, Jesus Christ, has made a way for men to know him, made a way for men to know him and have everlasting life. We're talking about words like eternal and everlasting life and from everlasting to everlasting and to all generations. That is our God. He gives everlasting life to sinful men who believe in him. That put their faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's finished work of redemption that he finished on the cross. Because he can remove the one thing that separates us from God, and that is sin. The Lord deals with the heart of the problem. He deals with the sin. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 that, uh, O death, where is thy sting? 
speaking, this is a whole long chapter about resurrection of Christ. Now is Christ risen from the dead? We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. And then it talks about the rapture and the fact that we're going to be, we, that our believers are going to be raised incorruptible with an incorruptible body. And then there's just a celebration from Paul saying, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And he says that the, uh, the, the sting of death is sin. That sin has to be removed. That's the whole sting or the poison of death. That's what makes death death is sin. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus our Lord. Amen. The victory is in Christ. But it's, he, the Lord removes that, that sting and of sin, which, which is the sting of death, and removes it from us and gives us everlasting life. Amen everlasting life. He's made a way for, for sinful men to be with him and to be with him forever. I just want to read this from Isaiah 57. For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Okay, so there's that word again. The Lord inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. But listen what also he said, the, the kindness of God. I dwell in a high and holy place. With them also, that's people, with them also, who, him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God inhabits eternity, and he dwells in a holy place, high and lifted up in eternity, but also dwell with him. Him who comes to me, them, them that have a contrite and humble spirit and surrender to the Lord, surrender everything over to Christ, like Chris was talking about in our, in our communion this morning, surrendering it all to the Lord. So these four kingdoms represent uh, these four, four uh, parts of this image that Nebuchadnezzar saw. It really is an amazing thing. He forgot the dream. He couldn't even remember the dream, and Daniel praise and fast along with his three friends that trust the Lord and God gives him the dream and the interpretation and he comes and tells it to the king but men mistake these four different kingdoms they they come and go they come and go and when they're in their heyday so to speak when they're in their zenith when they're at their uppermost highest point the Roman empire right iron crushing and, and, and exercising dominion the Babylonian Empire, when you read just, just through Daniel, you know, there's a lot about Babylon in the scriptures because God used Babylon to chastise his people Israel when they had strayed for him. He warned and warned and warned and warned and warned. He specifically spoke of the Chaldeans and the Babylonians, specifically spoke of Nebuchadnezzar by name, that he's going to come. And that kingdom, when it was in its, its power would have been untouchable. God had allowed it to be so. In fact, God had put them him in that position of Nebuchadnezzar, that king in that empire. And, and there are others, you know, but this image, the gold was Babylon, and then the Mede, Medan Persian Empire, and then the Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire. But men mistakenly think, and Nebuchadnezzar thought this, that this is me, I've done this, I've built this kingdom, and it's mine. It's mine forever and ever and ever. We don't just have to be a king of, a, of an empire to think that. I think human beings mistakenly think that they themselves are permanent. That I'm just permanent. 
uh, uh, you know, not going to be moved. I remember like when you're in high school and you're young and you're, you're very physically healthy and strong and into college, you know, you just feel like you got, you got your whole life ahead of you. You got your future ahead of you. You just feel like you, you're invincible. You know, you just feel that way. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. It's a deception, okay, to think that they themselves, that men, that we're permanent on this earth and, and that what we are, what's around us, what we see and taste and feel and smell and touch, that, that that's permanent. It's a, it's a grave deception and mistake to think that what we own, our stuff, okay, what we possess, what we have built, what we have acquired, what we have conquered, men, kings, thrones, normal everyday Joes like us, it's a mistake to think that this is all permanent. And God's word is crying out to wake us up to show us it's not. He said eternity in the hearts of men. This is not, it is not permanent. It is not forever. I just want to read this from 2 Peter, okay, chapter 3. For this they willingly are ignorant. Isn't that a perfect description? This was me when I was lost, but this is men today in their pride that shake their puny little fist at God and continue on. I'm building my kingdoms on this earth. I'm going to be established. I'm going to be set here. I'm going to be fixed here. I'm going to be uh, happy here. And Peter says, for this, they willingly are ignorant. They're ignorant that God's in control. They're ignorant that God has a plan. They're ignorant that God has a plan that he's going to uh, do away with things as they are now and have a, a kingdom for his people, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. I seem to recall there was a flood that destroyed the whole earth and every living, breathing thing on it except who and what was in the ark. And they forget about that. Ah, that that's, that's, that's never going to happen. That didn't happen. But the heavens and earth, which are now by the same word, God's word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The world that we're on now, the planet, the atmosphere, the, the grass, the ground, the trees, the people, the governments, the empires, the, the movements, the intelligence, the technology, everything that's here now is, has been reserved by God for a special day of judgment that's going to come. And we escape by the blood of Jesus. Amen. We're made right with God by the blood of Jesus. But everything else here, everything else, everything else here is reserved. In other words, God's actually set it aside. Things are playing out. He's still saving souls, but things are playing out like God has determined. And it's going to play out exactly like he has determined. He'll make sure of that. Amen? He'll make sure of that. And people need to wake up. We need to, even as believers, we need to wake up to this. But we get so preoccupied with the things of this life. We think that all the stuff we have and, and our schedule and our jobs and our homes and our family under, you know, kids under our feet and, and all that kind of stuff. We all think, we think that it's so uh, permanent. It's just always going to be this way. It is not. It is not. We think that, and men mistakenly think, and I know the Lord has awakened us to this reality, but lost men think that they'll have those things and enjoy those things and own those things forever. 
Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Why not, Lord? Well, th this earth, this is where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's not going to last. The, the Lord tells a story about a rich farmer. I don't know if he was rich before this, but he says that one year this farmer's crops brought forth plentifully, just like extra abundantly, his crops. And this is what he does for a living. He's a farmer. This is a bumper crop, to say the least. It's amazing. He says, what will I do? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down these little puny barns I have. I'm going to build some bigger barns. And then I'll have room and I'll store all of my fruit, wheat, whatever he had. I'll store it. And then I'll say to my soul, soul, thou has much goods for many days. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's the counsel to himself. That's man's counsel to himself. That's not the word of God. That's not God's counsel. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's not the voice of God Almighty sounding out through the ages trying to reach men and bring men to Christ. But he says, you just have so much. He says to his own soul, right? Take your ease now. And the Lord says, God will say unto him. That's what the scripture says in Luke. God will say unto him, thou fool. Can you imagine? This night, your soul is going to be required of you. Not eat, drink, and be merry, and take thine ease for days and years and ages to come for all the foreseeable future. This is going to be my life. I'm going to be floating down the lazy river, you know, drinking some iced tea, and just never have to work again. The Lord God will say unto him, Thou fool. This night thy soul will be required of thee. Then shall, who shall all those things be which thou hast provided? Well, it's a good question. He didn't know it. He didn't realize it. But we need to realize it. Amen? Lost men need to realize it. They need to hear the gospel and believe. The gift of God is what kind of life? Everlasting life through Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Apart from Christ, that's everlasting death. Amen? The Bible speaks of it as the second death. We need to understand it. We need to know it. For the day of the Lord will come, Peter says, as a thief in the night. You can book it. You can believe it. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away. You're talking about the heavens, the atmosphere. When I look up, yes, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fire shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up so not only is the physical planet all the works that men think they're so permanent this house this building this empire this government this movement of marxism or communism this movement of islam it seems so oh we're, we're gaining ground we're, we're getting we're getting our control it's going to come to nothing zero Zero. You look and you won't see it. It will be gone. It will not last into eternity. Element. The earth's going to be burned up and the works therein. I have studied that before and it says, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. This is, this is uh, after the second coming, by the way. The Lord's going to rapture his church. There'll be a tribulation period. There'll be a, a second coming of Christ. There'll be a thousand year reign and rule of Christ on this earth. And then 
the earth's going to be refined. There'll be a new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem, which comes down with the people of God, right? Wherein dwells righteousness, the Bible says, will dwell forever. But when I looked up there, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The elements means like molecules or atoms. It's the actual building blocks for matter, okay? That is going to be so refined by God. He promised he'd never flood the earth again, destroy the world or the earth by water in a flood, which he has not and will not. But he is going to, uh, he's going to so renew it, it'll be new. Everything's going to be burned up. It's going to be shaken down and burned down to the very atoms. And when it's, the dust settles and when it cools off or however God wants to do it, it's going to be new. And it's going to be untainted by sin. And Christ will be all in all. And people that know Jesus are going to live with him forever. And nobody's going to enter there that makes a lie or that, that does this sin or that sin. It's going to be holiness unto the Lord. And all the glory has to go to God because he saved us. Amen? And the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And we're going to get to be with him forever and ever and ever. Don't put, build up your treasures in this heaven. Men think that, that all this is going to continue as it is. That's what it says in 2 Peter 3. Of this they're willingly ignorant. The mockers and scoffers say all things continue as they were from the day of our fathers. Paul says, I mean, Peter said they're ignorant and they're willingly ignorant. That's a rebellion. Because if they cared to know, they could know. Amen? God would tell them and has told them if they would care to listen. A new world order, a one world government, a one world religion, a one world banking and economic system. The leaders that are part of that, the individual people that are trying to get their seat at the table to be part of that, right? Well, we're getting it. They're behind the scenes pulling their strings, and we're getting it all organized just like we want. The little suckers out there like you and me, they won't have a chance. We're getting it all lined up. And you know what they are? They are in one sense. The Lord's allowing it to play out in one sense. They are. Their power the Bible speaks of a reign of Antichrist. Now, he's not reigning now. The spirit of Antichrist is present in our day. The spirit of Antichrist, John said in his day, even now there are many Antichrists, but there is an Antichrist, the man of perdition, the son of perdition that's going to come. He will have a reign. We say during seven years, but really the last three and a half years of the tribulation, he will reign. And it will be, forget Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, okay? He's going to reign over the whole earth. Whoever doesn't take his mark can't buy or sell, and whoever doesn't take his mark and worship the beast is going to be killed, period. Nobody's had a reign like that, and God's going to allow it to happen for a time, okay? Time and times and half a time, three and a half years specifically when he'll be in that place of authority. But it's all going to come to a resounding end. Bam. 
It's, it's going and it's building. And look, we got this city and we got that person and we made him bow down and we killed this one and they're all bowing down and they're watching the miracles of the false prophet and they're worshiping that beast in the image of his beast and Satan's, and he's got his control in this false trinity of Satan and, and the Antichrist, which will be a human being totally given over to, to Satan and his false prophet that does miracles. They are supernatural. They're not God's miracles, but they're miracles in the presence of the the uh, beast and people are some are just deceived and they go right along with it and they say this is the Christ I mean we're, they're going to gladly worship him right gladly worship him and some are afraid and don't know what to think and they don't want to take the meat, mark of the beast and they're killed and some are saved during the tribulation and they refuse and they seal their testimony with their blood because they refuse it's all going to come to bam it's going to stop it's going to stop when God says it's going to stop. And it won't go one second past it. Not one second past it. The Lord is going to put a resounding end to it. It will not last. It will not prosper. God will see to it. It will not prevail in the end. It's going to come to nothing. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet. You can put them all together. Put Babylon and the Grecian Empire with the Medes and, and uh, the Roman Empire and so forth and the, the, Gre the Grecian Empire. You could throw Egypt in there and Assyria and you could throw other countries of our day. Throw them all in there. Thou saw till a stone was cut out without hands which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. It was all the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. That's the Lord's kingdom. That's the one we're part of. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing for. That is what is going to happen whether you believe it or not. But do you want to be part of it? Amen? I do. We are by the blood of Jesus. I don't have to hope to be. If I'm saved, I'm going to be. I just thought this was in China. China is quite a power today, economically and, and uh, just in every way. China, we would have to put as one of the, the powers of the world, you know, they're scheming like other countries, scheming and planning for some type of world dominion, some type of the next big step for them to take over this, to take over that somehow. China's population this year in 2022, 1,452,280,810. I, I read this probably last year or the year before, maybe last year, that China uh, is seeking to have at least, at least one surveillance camera per citizen of China. They're the most surveilled. You can't do anything without being seen by the all-watching eye of the government. One camera per person. They're, they've got them all covered, right? And watching them. All that's going to come to an end. They have such plans, such thoughts of how they're going to dominate people and it's just for the little upper crust at the top and everybody else is a little peon 
and we're going to rule over them. God says no. He's letting it go so far. It's always going farther than we want it to, right? People do suffer and die for the Lord in the, in the interim period. When we die, we go to be with the Lord. Amen? We're, it's going to come to an end. It will not last. Blessed and holy is he that has part of the first resurrection. That's salvation. Blessed is he that has part of the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's just during the millennium. We're going to reign with the Lord forever and ever. If we suffer, we shall reign with him, the Bible says. And so there's a, there's a passage, and we don't have time to read it. And, and Dan, uh, Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel's day had another dream. And I know that you know this, but he has this other dream, and he goes through the same process of trying to get it interpreted. I don't know why he didn't call Daniel the first time. Uh, he has another dream, and he doesn't call Daniel again. He calls the others, and they can't interpret the dream. And Daniel comes in and says, you saw this, this beautiful tree spreading out, and that's you, Nebuchadnezzar. You're that big, beautiful tree that's growing, and the birds are lodging under it, and the animals are taking refuge under it, and people are under your wings. You're that king. And you saw until the, it was cut down. The tree was cut down, and, and a stump remained. Here's what happened. The Lord was trying to, again, he's very merciful, trying to warn this man, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, you've been used to judge my people, and you burnt down the temple, Solomon's temple, and you carried off all the gold and the treasures and carried the best people captive, and you're just the man. But I want you to understand that I reign and rule. I've given you this power and authority. You have it, but you have it because I gave it to you. And I want you to know that you have it because I gave it to you. And so he gives him this second dream. And Daniel gives the interpretation. You're that big tree, king. And, and you're going to be cut down till you know that the most high rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to who he will. Till you know. And you're going to be out there for seven years eating grass like an ox. He basically went out of his mind. It says he was given the heart of an animal, not a man. And he lived out, and they drove him from his kingdom, the people. And, and he lived like an animal for seven years till his hair grew like bird's feathers and his fingernails grew like claws. And he ate grass like an ox, and the wetness of the, everything was upon him, the dew and everything. And to tell you another miracle in that, the Lord didn't, Take his kingdom from him. The, the fact that he could be seven years out there living like an animal. You might have could have looked out your window and say, there's old crazy Nebuchadnezzar with the cows over there eating grass. They didn't take the kingdom from him. That's an amazing thing. You would think they would just move on to somebody else. But God said, no, I'm going I'm to keep this. Your, your kingdom will be sure. And it will be here for you when you get back. When you realize what you need to realize. And he says, I, I wrote this letter to let people know Nebuchadnezzar said that this this is what happened to me he walked in the palace 12 months after 12 months after Daniel gave the dream and the interpretation to him this dream second one that he's had God wanting to wake him up okay 12 months he goes he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon and he said he hadn't learned his lesson yet this is before all that happened 
Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? I love this. While the word was in his mouth. It just amazes me. The power of God. While the word was in his mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. God just said, that's it. He's not playing around. He's not playing games. He doesn't need any help. While the word's in the king's mouth and he's boasting and saying, look at it, my, look at my kingdom. God says, it's taken from you. I just think of the power of God and how awesome he is. We need to say, you know, sometimes I like to, I say we all do this probably when we're studying, preaching, whatever, teaching, thinking about God. Sometimes we'll zoom in like a, a scientist looking at something on a microscope and I'm going to spend three months looking at this algae, you know. I wanna, I wanna, and, and we zoom in and we look at one little attribute of God, which we need to do at times. You know, you could talk for him about his love, his justice, whatever. And sometimes I think it's good for us to back out, zoom out. And I want to see the big picture. I want to see the whole thing. You know what I mean? Just the, the plan of God, the power of God, the awesomeness of God, that he is that. And, and here, I couldn't, there, nobody was more powerful. I don't know if in history, if anybody was more powerful than Nebuchadnezzar. We could argue about stuff like that, but you understand my point. And God says, your kingdom is taken from you. He lost his mind. He went out and lived like an animal seven years. We'll see if you learn your lesson now. But he was merciful, right? He was trying to teach him that, that God reigns. Much of the world, I would say all the world, and I say much of the, the church world, unfortunately, I think is caught up in the here and the now. It's easy to do. I'm not pointing my finger, but it, we get caught up in it. We need to wake up. We need somebody to spiritually slap us, okay, and wake us up. We get caught up in the here and the now. We get occupied and concerned with and enamored with and engaged with the temporal, the, what's not going to last. Not only is it not going to last, it's absolutely set by God for destruction. I quote this verse that you all know. New Testament, we've been looking all at Old Testament, 1 John chapter 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of, God, of the Father, but is of the world. And guess what? And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Do his will. Walk with him. Know him. Walk with Jesus. It's an issue in that passage right there. It's an issue of the heart. Love not the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Does that mean that we can't enjoy things in life? And if you get a new car, you can't go show it off to your friends and enjoy it. Enjoy your grandkids. Yes, you can. Enjoy all of that. But know that God reigns. Know that he is Lord. Know that it's all for his glory. Know that this is a temporary pleasure that he's allowed us to be part of. And there's greater pleasures coming. Amen. God tells us in his word what and who will live forever and what and who will pass away and not 
and, and not live forever. Oh, we're all going to live forever somewhere, but you understand. It's do we love the world? Do you love it? Do you love it? Christians, we can, our hearts can be taken away. Do you love it? Not that we live in it and we, God gives us some blessings and pleasures to enjoy in life. Thank God that he does that. But do you love it? Have you set your heart upon this lost, fallen world that is currently ruled by the God of this world with a little g, Antichrist? He's called the God of this world. The spirit that now works in the children of, of disobedience. All that is in it, do we love it? Do we love it? You know what Paul said last chapter, the last epistle he wrote before he was martyred for the Lord? He was just real quickly in 2 Timothy 4 saying, uh, Demas has forsaken me. Okay, well, that's a shame. He turned his back on Paul, but there's more. Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and has departed. Isn't that in a nutshell, just some people's lives? He, he, Demas is mentioned in other epistles, or at least one other epistle, as a co-laborer with Paul in the gospel. But it came some point where the world got a hold of him. He allowed it, but he has forsaken me, Paul said. But worse than that, he has loved this present world, this one, and has, de has departed. We have to set our hearts and minds and souls like we sang upon the Lord. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you long for his kingdom to come? Or will it be a bother and mess up some of your plans when the rapture comes? Are we longing for his kingdom to come? Do we love the Lord? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. I'm going to bring this to a close. There's a strong, strong, and we're hearing one this morning, but all through the Bible, there's a strong admonition in the word of God for men to wake up to this truth. A lost world certainly needs to wake up and give their lives to Christ and, and, and live for God. But a saved world needs to wake up too. A saved world needs to wake up too. And we need to be aware that this whole truth of eternal and what's of eternal value, amen? What's of eternal value? To seek the Lord. What do I say? Not as an afterthought. I got all my daily stuff done. Now I got, I got five minutes before I go to bed. I'll, I'll read my Bible. You know, we throw it in there sometimes. Sometimes we don't get to it at all. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. If you're born again, you're born again. I'm saying this where we put our, our focus and attention and set our hearts on the wrong things. We have to set it upon God. The things that are eternal, the things that are blessed forever. Amen? God is calling out for men to forsake these things. To not be attached to these things. He may bless you with a lot of worldly financial things or possessions. If he does, then it, realize it's not really yours. You're a steward. And if he does, it's for his glory. Not for your pleasure to eat, drink, and be merry like the farmer. It is for God's glory if he does that. A couple more scriptures. Paul says this while in 2 Corinthians 4, while we look not at the things which are seen. How can you look at things that are not seen? By faith, right? While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. Temporal. 
but the things which are not seen are eternal. God wants us to look at the things that are eternal. I love D.L. Moody, what things I read about him, the books I've read, and D.L. Moody is very simple. He was not very educated. He's a very simple man. God used him in a great way, but he, he, he says, uh, he says how, how temporal and short-lived are the pleasures of this life. He says if we were wise, we would live for God and for eternity. That's a simple statement. We know that that's true, right? But we need to hear it. We need to hear it. How temporal and short-lived are the pleasures of this life. If we were wise, we would live for God and for eternity. That means we, while we have this little time here on this earth, take this time to live for God and for eternity. I'm not saying you quit your jobs or anything like that. I'm saying live for God where he's put you. Live for God and for eternity. Amen. We need to set our affections on things of God. And if we don't, we're going to end up like Demas. I'm telling you, if we don't consciously and purposely set my heart and my affections on things that are above and actually build up my treasures and lay up my treasures in heaven, then I will be attached to this world because this is where all my little treasures are. And my little heart's drawn to it. And this is all I want. And God's saying, we need to wake up. We need to wake up even to believers. Amen. Even to believers. Moses said later in that psalm I quoted at the beginning of the message, he said, he said, Lord, so teach us to number our days. Guess what? Your days are numbered on this earth, and so are mine. I don't know the number of those days, but teach us to number them. It's kind of like Ephesians 5, that we would arise from the dead and wake up and redeem the time because the days are evil. Make the most of your time. Realize that it's finite. This, this earthly life, okay, not eternal life. But realize it's finite and there's not a redo. But I really intended to, to talk to so-and-so about Jesus. Well, go talk to him about Jesus. Because you're not promised tomorrow. You understand? We, teach us the number of our days that we may apply our lives unto wisdom. I'm closing with two scriptures. D, you can come. Revelation eleven fifteen. The seventh angel sounded. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. These words just roll off, but we need to think about what they mean. Christ is going to, it's absolutely going to happen. The kingdoms of this world, all the works and all is going to be burned up, but all the kingdoms are going to become the kingdoms of God and of his Christ. It's all going to be his, and it's going to be his way, and it's all going to be holy, and it's all going to be those that are born of his spirit, or the Old Testament saints that, that look forward to his coming. We want to be part of that. We want to be part of that, that faith in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Psalm 102, we're closing. Psalm 102. Let's look at the end of this psalm. Psalm 102, verse 23. No, I'm sorry, verse 25. Psalm 102, 25. Of old thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, and as a vesture thou shalt change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue 
and their seed shall be established before thee as forever and forever and forever. What a blessing. How can you say thank you to God for that? He's going to change all this, but he's established forever. His kingdom's established forever, and those that are his servants that belong to him by faith are going to continue forever with him. Y'all stand with me this morning. This is one of those sermons, as I said, where I feel like we're, we're backing up. We're backing up from the microscope, and we're going to be in awe of the Lord and see him for his goodness and his bigness and his power and his, his dominion and his sovereignty. You know, the, the Calvinists talk about the sovereignty of God, but this is really the sovereignty of God, his power, his plan to bring it all to, to pass as, as he says it's going to be brought to pass. That, to me, I, I believe is the sovereignty of the Lord. But, y'all, the altars are open. You come and pray and come and seek the Lord. Maybe you've been distracted. I have been before many times, too many times where my heart's been drawn away from the Lord. I'm still a Christian. I love God. But my heart's been drawn away to this world and the things that are temporal and they're not going to last. And God wants us to to set our hearts and affections on things that are above, to lay up our treasures in heaven. We need to be reminded of it. And we need to have an urgency as well as telling other people about it in our day. Lord, we don't want to be like Demas who loves this present world and departs from the Lord. Don't think it couldn't happen. It can happen. It happened to Demas. We have to keep our hearts fixed upon Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you this morning. Oh, God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. You were, you were merciful to that man, Nebuchadnezzar. You showed him and you warned him in dreams and you sent Daniel to bring the truth to him to know that you reign. You reign over all and we're to humble ourselves and Lord, you, you are high and holy, and you dwell and inhabit eternity, God, and you dwell with those that have a contrite and humble spirit. God, we want to be those that dwell with you, Lord, forever. Thank you that by faith in Jesus Christ and the cleansing of your blood, we're forgiven. And we're going to spend eternity with you, Lord. But God, even now, Lord, at those cares of life, those distractions of life, they could be innocent in themselves, God. But if we've given them a place in our affections that, they sh- that Jesus should have, God, they can become idols to us, God. I pray you'd show us. I pray you'd forgive us. I pray you would give us a f- fresh, clear vision, God, to see what's of, of value and what's eternal, God. If there's anyone here today that's not born again, God, I pray they would come and give their life to Christ. I'll pray with them, Lord to give their life to you, Lord. Those that are saved, God, we just give ourselves fresh and new to you.